how do I help you help me make sense of everything that's going on? When will we, a person, people, humans, start looking at things from a different perspective? Let's talk shop. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into another episode of Let's Talk Shop. Had two experiences this weekend, positive experiences, because they've had a, a positive train of thought, a new positive train of thought in my mind. So let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about the whole Jacob Blake situation. I think I've expressed myself about it. I'm a little confused about it. Not confused about what happened, the things that led up to the ultimate outcome. My confusion is where are, where's everyone's understanding? I had a conversation with a close family member uh, pretty much about my delivery. So going forward, I'm I'm gonna turn on a I'm gonna turn a partial leaf. You know, I'm not turning a new leaf because my message is still gonna be the same. It's just gonna be my delivery. My solutions, it's gonna be more solutions, less antagonizing, I wanna say. I, you know, I was explained to that I'm antagonizing. I seem, you know, I don't seem empathetic. I don't have a solution. It's just like an attack. And when I say the things that I say, people are feeling attacked. Uh, and I get that. I think, you know, it's a very delicate situation. People are very emotional about it. I am not emotional about it in a sense that I've started, I'm starting to become numb. It's sad. I'm starting to become numb to the situations every time they happen because it's the same story. It's, it's never, it's not typical, a typical guy. Like, uh, like if a young man, let's say a young black man went off, served two terms in Afghanistan, got a purple heart, you know, came home. He, he, you know, he served his however many years in the military, uh, came home, uh, got a, a job, continued his, you know, further his education, became, uh, let's just say like a nurse uh, or an EMT. Cause I know a lot of, uh, you know, once you serve in the military, you, you qualify for a lot of the like EMT, police officer, fireman kind of a job. So he takes on to one of those jobs. And on his day off, he happens to get drunk and belligerent. He gets pulled over, but they know they're going to arrest him because he's drunk, but he's probably just celebrating. I'm, obviously, I'm making up the scenario. He, he gets celebrated. And then while he's arrested, the police back up and shoot him in his back and, he, and we lose him. That is a horrific story. That is a true, sad story. He, you know, it's everything that we look in positivity for uh, in this, this situation for men, for American men. You know, like you serve your country. If that's the case, you further your education. You might be a family man. And ultimately something that you had no control over. There wasn't a, a disease. It, it, it wasn't a freak accident. It was someone took their life into your their hands and controlled the outcome. And it came out disgusting. And then that would be something to raise a voice about. But that's not the story. That hasn't been the story. And it's to me, I'm confused about the message 
that is sending. So I get on Facebook and I think, you know, I think I was emotional when I wrote my response because I'm emotional that how people are accepting or not accepting how people are reacting to a situation they don't fully understand. But the way they react is if they understood the situation completely, took all the information and used all the tools they had to help the situation, which what they think are help, is helping the situation, which it is not. It's actually worsening the situation. But I put on Facebook, my post said, it's our message not to comply. Are we teaching our youth not to comply? And I, I get it. I'm just at, a lot of people looked at it looked at the question as an unfair question um i still however think it's a simple question but let me say what i'm trying let me explain in a more a more thorough thought process this man wasn't so much a terrorist in his community but to his family he has a record he had been in jail uh, like two straight years and my point isn't to point out that he's a criminal and he needed to be shot. My point is that he is a criminal and he had been arrested before and he made it to jail safely and he was familiar with the, the procedures. It's it's sad, but it's the truth. So, for the record, I'm not justifying the shooting. It can be explained, but what I'm saying is, he has not made a. He wasn't a career criminal, but he had a record. He was familiar with the justice system and how it works. Police, they come, they tell you what to do. They handcuff you. They read your rights. You go to the backseat of a police car they drive you to the station they book you they print you they pretty much issue you everything that they have to issue to you know for or what, what they have to charge you for and you and you go through the system you go through the steps he was familiar with that because he had done it multiple times uh, one for battery strangulation domestic violence and then again later on for branding a weapon while intoxicated third degree sexual assault and domestic abuse Domestic abuse. His domestic abuse was what he had currently had a warrant for. I don't want to paint this dark picture of this person because you, you always, I always have this feeling, and people who know me will tell, will, will tell you that I try to see the good in people. I really, honestly do. You know, I, I don't feel like every decision you're making today represents who you are tomorrow. However, what the decision that you do make today can affect you tomorrow. When the police were called about him, I wonder how the situation would have played. Would have. You know, like the. If you were in his situation and the police were called on you and you listen and how the situation would have played out. And I honestly think it would be different. It probably would have been different. He would, it would have been the same thing from his previous arrest. He would have been handcuffed, read his rights, put in the back of a car 
everyone it would have been embarrassing. People would have saw him get or was driven off in a police car. And that's where I feel like we send, we're sending the wrong message to our youth. That's why I say is the message to our youth not to comply. I was I've been pulled over by the police a lot of times between my driver's license and like 25. So between the ages of 6 and 25, I have been pulled over multiple times. But I wasn't I was always doing something. It wasn't it wasn't profiling. I wasn't getting profile. I think I did get lights flashed on me once because I went through a stage when I was driving. Uh, my brother had a 88 87 Monte Carlo. And of course, it it was a stereotypical car from people who uh, you know the, what what we wanted to do with it wasn't going to be something something that someone who owned it who had like love for it, the the actual car itself and re- would have restored it. We would have done specific things to it to let you know exactly where we were coming from with that vehicle. Not to say that everyone does this or a race does this, but when you see that car, you associate it with something. We were doing what is typically stereotypically associated with, but we were sitting so far back, like I could barely see out. The, I just I don't know what stage that was in my life, but I was like barely looking over the steering wheel to see the road. I was just sitting way back, and I remember the cop flashed me and says, "Sit closer up. Why are you sitting so far back? You know you can't see." <laughs> I didn't. That was it. I I kept going, but I had been pulled off for speeding tickets, and. Uh, or I've been pulled over for speeding, running stop signs. I, I, my family can testify to the things I've done behind the steering wheel. Like my driving skills as a between those ages was ridiculous. And I think at a young age, these and, and at this time, cops were more rude. I, I've dealt with black cops who have been rude. I've dealt with white cops who have been rude. And I think that, uh, and I've also dealt with both cops that have been nice. And I think we dealt with a time where cops didn't always have to be so polite. Uh, I think cops are more polite now than they have been in the past. But uh, I, w- I was mouthy when I got pulled over because the cops were rude. I always felt like the cops were being rude. So I was mouthy. I, my family would always tell me, my family members, if they're in the car with me, would always tell me, uh, you know, stop talking back. Why are you always talking back? And I'm a mouthy person. Uh, and my my parents found out that I was talking back to the police. To the police, they both were saying, "Stop talking back to the police. Show the police some respect." And they never said it was, uh, "You might get killed because you're black." That was never a message from either of my parents. And I listened. I didn't disrespect the police, but that was from, that's what they told me. So going forward, when I got put over by the police, it was like, okay, sir. Yes, sir. Like whatever. I didn't feel oppressed or felt down about it. I felt like, man, why did I have to be speeding? Why did he have to be sent here? Why can't I know where the speed traps are? Why did I run a stop sign? Why didn't I pay my last ticket so that my ticket, my license wouldn't be suspended for not paying a ticket? Those are the thoughts going through my head. That's the rush that I get with like the anxiety I get. I'm getting pulled over by the police. I don't want a ticket. How do I get out of this ticket? So I never felt, I, and I'm not, I'm just speaking on me. I've never felt like I was at risk of losing my life, probably because I wasn't a criminal. And I had, I had nothing to worry about. I didn't have to worry about going to jail. Um, 
So, but to get back to the, the where I'm trying to go with the story is that's what my parents told me. And that's why I'm where I'm at based on the amount of interactions I've had with the police. They also told me not to be a criminal and I decided not to do that too. But these, these men have his a history of violence and then they don't comply with the police. And then they expect the police to be these GI Joes, you know, after having a couple conversations with other people, they think every guy on the force is supposed to be GI Joe. He needs to have, you know, Chuck Norris like moves to tackle someone without injuring them and be able to hold a a, a police or a, a criminal down while they or a suspect down or whatever the case may be, whatever the person is, hold them down so they can arrest him properly without injuring him. <laughs> I just I laugh at that. Because they do take training. It's not like they dismiss training. I have seen some cops that have been like, you know what? It's time to let it go. They, I think they should. Uh, and that's probably because of the discrimination laws that they can't be over. It's okay for them to be overweight. But I don't think cops should be overweight. I also think that uh, that they should be a certain weight. But that's just for the, their safety. Because I think, uh, you know, what if it was two women? You know, female cops that went out to arrest Jacob Blake. How do you think they were? They're they're not super women. They're not Wonder Woman. You know, they're a power girl. How would you think they take this guy down? They'd have a really hard time with it. And they they are probably, you know, women. And this is not a disrespect to women, but women tend to give a few more chances. They're a little bit more patient when it comes to dealing with hostile situations. I just, in my experience, I've always felt that way. So how do you know women, two women, or maybe just one female cop would have handled the situation a little differently, but who determines what, what the outcome would have been? You know, no one would have still would have known what the outcome is. But is that the message we want to send to our youth? You know, one, it's okay. One, it's okay to be a criminal because the minute you bring up a, a criminal's past and these high-profile profile cases, everyone wants to write it off like you shouldn't have to bring that up, but we should. I've heard, I've heard, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and they were saying the police will call to come help a woman if in a need who had been in a relationship with domestic violence in their history and she did not want to go through a dark path with that like that again so she calls the police for her help and uh, they come out and because there's a history there they have to handle the situation now that he's been removed from the picture in a sense not the paralyzation but he you know if he's he was just arrested then she can't take any harm. That's a little more into away from the 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 point I'm trying to get. So, um, like I said earlier, if if men are being killed for complying, then there's a change that needs to be made. But that's not the case, you know. Uh, he, people are bringing up you know, at least five or six different cases that's been happening between the last eight years. So, and I've 
went through my Facebook and I counted the amount of names that they mentioned of six people who have been uh, killed uh, without a weapon by police uh, over a course of eight years. And I don't. there may be more, there may be less, but if they're bringing up six over course eight, eight years, that's less than one a year. However, I know that number is a little jaded. There has to be probably a few more people who have been killed unarmed. Let's just say black people, because I know there's a lot more people, if you count whites and Hispanics, that have been killed by police that are unarmed. But let's say uh, a few more uh, black people have been killed, and that's over a court, what, one, maybe possibly two a year. I mean, if you were to say that, and you and they are, is that enough to say they're racist that the police are killing, you know, senselessly with with race behind it, like it's racially driven for them to do it. It's not enough information to say that's going on because if there's what thirty three hundred and thirty million Americans, thirty million happen, the fourteen percent happens to be. Black six or seven percent happen to be black males between, I think, eighteen and thirty-four, uh, maybe less than that, maybe a less percentage than that. And those are the ones that are getting killed in the high-profile cases. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm not a numbers whiz myself, but that doesn't seem like that can wipe us off, you know, at least America. So uh, I know that my delivery comes a little, you know, like I'm sound like I'm antagonizing, but that's how I just base basic information that. I have to have the tools, the support to, to, to support what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is, I'm not saying there's not racism. I'm just saying that police killings aren't race driven. If you look at the very few have happened from bad police, and I'm not making it a justifying bad police by any means. Like, you know, if we go back and look at these cases, each one of these men are no longer in the police force. Some of them are in jail. You know, if there's a justice system, you have to go through it. We have to follow the rules. We have to trust that it works. It's not going to always work on our favor. We can do things to change that, but there's nothing we can do. But there's 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 things that we can do to change it. However, the things that we're doing now won't help the change. So um, one one of my solutions is the media needs to stop. And then my second thing that I wanted to leave, like what I really wanted to talk about was that the put placing ourselves in different people's uh, perspectives and lives. So if you're the kids, you're watching your dad, you're sitting in this van or this vehicle watching your dad, you know, get tasered and throw the police off of them and they don't have a knife. And then before that, the police got there. He was the kids were watching him be be abusive to his mother, or at least not. I'm not going to say uh, physically abuse because I don't know that. But there's definitely some type of abuse, some type of verbal abuse, because the police were called. She felt threatened, or she felt like he didn't need to be there, and that the police need to come and help her with that situation. And the kids are seeing this, and to. I think I look down on men who allow their kids to their innocence to be slowly taken away from them at such early ages. I don't know the ages of the kid. I'm, you know, I've seen the pictures online. They don't look any, none of them look over at nine or 10. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but that's what they don't, 
You know, they don't look old enough to to fully understand the situation. And now they're saying they're, what happened to their father. And then I was also thinking, because I'm a, I'm a father of two girls, three girls. And what if my daughter is in constant, constant abuse and my grandchildren are in constant abuse or witness of abusiveness from my son-in-law or my daughter's boyfriend or my daughter's baby daddy? I'm the dad and I'm, I, she's, she, you know, she's calling her sisters or calling her mother saying, Jacob won't stop hitting me or Jacob's here again. He, he shouldn't be here. It's the second time he's done this. He's being me. He's yelling at me and cursing at me in front of the kids. As a dad, what do you think I'm going to do? Other than call the police, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to, I'm going to flex my weight. Like, sorry. Like, I hope I set a standard of what men can approach my daughter. However, no man can ever get a lot out of line without me saying something to him. You know, you just can't put hands on her. You can't be abusive to her. I will talk to her. Like, hey, just leave him alone. Stop talking to him. This is not a guy for you. But if, as a father, and I find out like you've been a physic, physically abusing my daughter, what do you think I'm gonna? What do you think I want to do to you? And what do you think that does to me? To know that if I may not, I you know, sleep well at night, knowing that my daughter's boyfriend has a problem and he could ultimately hurt her or my grandchildren so i think about that i've thought about the situation a lot of perspective i thought about it from the police perspective you know like they had to go out and you know they're called they're doing their job they're on duty they have to go they can't say no they are coming out to someone else's defense and then the situation gets out of control they're forced to do something they don't want to do you know None of us, are, a lot of us, a large percentage of us are going to go through life never having to take another life or even shoot anybody or hurt anybody for that matter in a in a very, very you know, severe way. May not ever happen. But police do. And if you ever even, you can watch a movie and get emotionally involved in a movie. Imagine what will happen to your real life. So. Uh, and the, the next thing I want to talk about that I'm just going to go through real fast, maybe I might spend a little bit more time on it in my next podcast, is this privilege thing. And the only the reason why I bring up privilege, because that's what it's being compared to. They're saying that Jacob Blake, all right, he's a criminal. He did this, but he was shot seven times in the back. And then they say this kid from the, that was, I can't remember his name right now, who was out uh, with the AR um, weapon defending private property and a, a, a situation got out of control. He shouldn't have been there. He's a 17 year old boy. He had no business being there. However, he ended up having to defend his life and he ended up killing, I think, two people. And they're saying his white privilege is keeping him, you know, he's not looked at as a, he's not looked at as a criminal. He's looked at as like a hero. Here's my two cents on it. And like I said, I might dive into it a little bit more in my next podcast. But my thing is, what did you guys think was going to happen when you're burning down cities? When you're burning down communities? When you're burning down a person's business or homes or police stations or, you know, state buildings? I, you know, I'm from Detroit. 
and very much love Detroit. Like it's it's me. Like when people ask me where I'm from, I say Detroit because that's where I was born and raised. I wouldn't want to see that city be torn down because of a situation like Jacob Blake. I wouldn't want to see the people, the heart and soul, because it's a blue collar city. So the, all the hard work that goes into every piece of brick and business there gets is getting torn down. I wouldn't want to see that happen. And if I started a business and riders are going to come through my business, I want to tell you right now, since the police won't stop them, and this is where I'm trying to get to, I'm going to try to stop them. If you won't help me, then I guess I got to do it myself. That would be my mentality, you know, because these, like, I think of, um, I can't remember when the, when the riots were in Detroit. I can't, if it was like 1984 or 1960, however, it is 2020 and Detroit is still on a rebuild. So let's just say it was 1984 that the riots, I don't have the exact number, but let's just say, for example, it was 1984. And this is when the riots happened, because I know it might've been before that. That means from that point until until 2020, this city is still trying to come back from that. And, and you're telling me, oh, there's insurances and all that kind of stuff. That's, that means nothing to me. So when I think about this kid, I think he shouldn't have been there. I think that if you're not from there, don't go there because going there is is looking like you're causing trouble. However, I think some people are feeling the need, like if the cops won't stand in front of businesses and protect them, stop rioters, arrest rioters for being violent or talking violent, if the governors and the mayors and the senators aren't getting involved and pushing these people back to where they need to be, because I just want to know who has to, like people don't have work. I guess with the shutdowns, so many people don't have to go back to work, so they just have all the time in the world to go destroy stuff. But if if the if the people at the at the highest levels are not helping and in a sense promoting it because they're saying they don't want police to do anything. Then you better believe I might stand up out front of my place of business and start and hide behind it, prepare to start firing off rounds. It's like if I'm starting a business, I'm in my way to my American dream. It is what it is. And if you interfere with that, there will be consequences. I'm not justifying what this kid did. I don't think he had any business being there. Uh, he was from a different a different state. I don't think his parents had any business being there. They had no business taking him. He was, you know, to me at, at 17 versus 30, it's a big difference in versus knowledge and, and and maturity. So I don't think he should have been there. However, he was there. Things happened. He defended himself. Uh, in a way, I was kind of happy to see that there are people who want to see things stand and they want to defend things and help people who can't defend them think, those things, defend those things. At the same time, if it's not where you're from, it's not your city. You, you can't. You just can't. It's. I know that it's. There's. There's. These riders are coming from all over. They're not from the cities and the states that they're in. But that doesn't mean because we don't believe that they should be there that we need to. You know, we need to go and do it from other states and cities. We need to just make sure we're protecting our cities, our homes. So, so I don't think there's a privilege there with this kid. I don't think it's not the same thing. It's not the same comparison. Um, but it's it's not fair. So stop listening to the media. You don't have to listen to me. 
Go do your research for yourself. Look up the information. Give it time. You know, when you, when when I think of a, a heated argument, sometimes people say what they can't take back, and they say what they what they don't mean. So in these situations, we are reacting emotionally, and we're doing things drastically, and we don't we don't need to be doing them. We don't mean to be doing them. So uh, it makes me sad to see what, how things are going right now. I hope there's a a ch- change coming, a strong change. I would like to be a part of that change. I would like to promote that change. I would like to, you know, in arms, people at my left and my right helping me with these changes, uh, noticing things, waking up, noticing what's going on. So asking me to stop doing your own research, you know, don't support the the negative things that the negative aspects of the, the, the these heightened situations like stop supporting it have each other's back <laughs> so anyways that's all i got for you guys today like i said maybe next time maybe in the next episode i'll to dive into this kid a little bit more do some more research i don't know we'll see anyways until next time guys